Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The 11 to 1 show. Working from home, it's great for work-life balance, but it's bad for our waistlines because apparently we're turning to the biscuit tin. More on this after ABBA and 11 to 1. ABBA, Mamma Mia, Sinead Brazel here with you. Hope you're keeping well. 086-1800-658 if you'd like to get in touch. And it's 11 And... Around about this time of the day, it is time for a nice cup of tea or coffee and something with it. Now, normally this something with it, for me, right here in the studio, means a banana, right? Because it's kind of, you know, it's easy to eat. It's sort of quick. It's healthy as well. It's going to fill me up. So it's a good go-to one. If I was at home, however, I wouldn't be having a banana. No, the press would be calling me. All the goodies inside there would be saying, have one of me, have one of me. And I'm not alone. Because it seems working from home has most of us turning to the biscuit tin because, you know, we're not around colleagues is what I'm going to say. And, you know, normally, is it, are we putting on sort of the healthy front when it comes to being around our co-workers at work in the office having coffee? Is that what it is? Oh, look at me with my banana. Oh, you've got three biscuits there. How unhealthy of you. Whilst at home, we're sort of going for the chocolate and the biscuits. Now, for me, hobnob. A hobnob is the pinnacle of biscuits. Why? Because you can. it's got great dunkage. It's not going to sort of fall apart, really. You could give it a good few dunks before it'll sort of really fall asunder. It, it keeps that. It keeps that good soakage for, for a good dunk. So a hobnob for me, and they do great gluten-free ones, so it's a win-win scenario. Now, if I'm feeling a little bit like, you know, more fancy I might go for something like a purple snack bar that is a biscuit I'm going to say it's not really a bar it's like bigger like it's a bigger biscuit isn't it really so something like that very good to have with your 11s but this is what's happening working from home has us turn into these things in the biscuit tin more often new research found remote working is playing havoc with our diets because we're snacking on more indulgent foods like chocolate and we're grazing between meals. So people working from home are typically snacking on average 1.9 times daily. So 1.9 times a day. The Mail says uh, the study by Compass Group Ireland also found remote employees are working longer hours than their office-based colleagues. Yeah, go. I, we knew that because we still haven't managed, have we, to kind of strike this balance, even though it's three years in now with the working from home or a hybrid working situation. We're still sort of navigating around it. But I'm wondering, what are you having this morning with your 11s? Are you like me? Are you at work? Are you going the healthy route of you an apple and sort of a nice little bit of yogurt or something healthy like that? Or are you working from home and are you having a biscuit? If you are, let us know what biscuit is your biscuit of choice as well. 086 1800 George Ezra, green, green grass and LMFM's 11 to 1. Thanks be to God the sun is shining today because today Laytown Races is happening and there's a full race card starting from 4.45pm this evening. Now just so people know there's no parking at the race field however there are a number of car parks which will be signposted around Laytown and Bettytown and a shuttle bus will be running throughout the day up and uh, to the hour after the last race. So for tickets, updates and details LaytownStrandRaces.ie so that is happening today. You can't beat a ginger nut for a good old bit of dunkage and uh, dunkage and soakage, uh, says Craig. He says he's partial to one, but in the afternoon at three o'clock. Yeah, you see, there's another time. So 11 o'clock 
we've kind of got a good chunk of the day sort of started. We've got, a, you know, we've tackled, we've tackled the working day at 11 o'clock. Time for a bit of a breather. Some people have their break around 10. Uh, you know, and lazy people, they'll come in at 9. They have a break at 10 o'clock. The rest of us have a break at 11. And then the 3pm one, the 3pm slump. Yeah, we need a bit of, bit of a pick-me-up there. But are you reaching for a biscuit or are you going the healthy route? Let me know. 086-1800-658. Now, an iconic TV show is being made into a movie. I'm very, very excited about this. Going to reveal all very shortly. Plus, we've got music from Keen Duck Row on the way. The 11 to 1 show. With Gilmore's. I have a request for a very special lady. Her name is Olive Farrelly and she is from Screen in County Meath and she is 85 years of age and she is a big, big fan of LMFM. Listens religiously every day. And uh, Olive Junior, her daughter, uh, got in touch with us to say that poor uh, old Olive is um, in hospital at the moment and uh, they are wishing her a speedy recovery and hopes that she's going to get home soon where she belongs, sending all our love to her. So it's coming in from Olive. Also her husband Peter and granddaughters Molly and Katie really wanting her to be back home and sending her lots and lots of love. And so are we because we don't like to hear about people uh, in in hospitals in Connolly Hospital uh, for the past couple of weeks. So we really hope that uh, she hears this because I know that she does listen to LMFM all the time and hopefully somebody there has put the radio on for her for company. So Olive, if you are listening, we are all thinking of you here and sending you so much love and well wishes. And that's coming in as well from all of your family and we're going to play this one just for you Shout out to Joanne she says I'm on the road doing home support so I'm eating junk food the majority of the time favourite biscuit would be a polo biscuit oh haven't that one is a real throwback of a biscuit isn't it the polo biscuit is that the one that was in the green wrapper haven't seen them now in ages or a tin of the Danish shortbread cookies oh I know the ones they always come out at Christmas time in our house our, my husband absolutely loves those shortbread ones she says I'm having a breakfast roll sausages and black and white pudding rashers brown sauce and an Americana with no milk or sugar she's setting herself up there oh yeah fantastic that is a, a great uh, snack or breakfast I want to kind of a meal there that's going on with you Joanne somebody says get rid of the sweet tooth for the solution um, look at if it was to get rid of the sweet tooth that I have none left do you know what I mean they're all sweet every single tooth in my head is completely sweet it absolutely is I'll tell you now though this is something that we could all get on board with I'm sure because there's big fans of this TV uh, show that is now there's talks for this being made into a movie yeah Murder, she wrote. The classic whodunit starring the amazing Angela Lansbury, no longer with us, but apparently Variety has reported that Universal Pictures are very much into this, right? So the writers of an upcoming movie called Dumb Money uh, and also producer Amy Pascal, whose films include Spider-Man, Little Women is on board with this so the writers by the way have uh, written Orange is the New Black so these guys are people we know okay handling safe pair of hands I'm going to say but Murder She Wrote apparently these guys are going to be making this into a movie Uh, now look at there's all sorts of things going on in Hollywood now with the strike and everything else at the moment so you know things are up in the air but apparently Universal are on board the writers behind Orange is the New Black are on board. The producers of, you know, Spider-Man uh, Into the Spider-Verse and Little Women are involved. I'm excited. But who would play Angela Lansbury's character in this? Jessica Fletcher. Who would play her? You know, you'd want to get someone now fairly, someone fairly big for that and someone fairly iconic that's going to be able to take on this role, I think. But I am on board. Angela Lansbury's uh, you know, going to be obviously was was so so amazing in that role. But murder she wrote on the big screen. I'm on board for it. I am. Van Morrison. Have I told you lately? Which is lovely. It is lovely, but it's not really well suited to what we're going to be talking about next. Mm, let's just see what can we do. What is going to work for what we're going to talk about on the show next? Oh yeah, this will do. Don't be alarmed. (laughs) Why am I playing Pantera? (laughs) 
Elevenses at elevenses, we're, we're it's getting we're getting people riled up now at eleven o'clock. Not good. But the reason I'm playing this is we're going to be talking about moshing. This is a great song now to have a good old head headbang to and a mosh. Why are we talking about this of a random Tuesday in the middle of the day? Well, Dublin Fringe Festival is back, and there is a fantastic show all to do with moshing that's going to be featured in Dublin Fringe Festival. I'm going to be talking to the writer and director of this just after these. The 11 to 1 show. Dublin Fringe Festival is back for another year with a jam-packed programme of cultural activities running until Sunday 24th of September. Now in its 29th year, the busy schedule will see 562 artists and performers take over the capital with venues both indoors and outdoors. But one performance in particular piqued my interest. And anyone that has found themselves in a mosh pit, either on purpose or accidentally, will connect with this show. It's a dance, a gig, a theatrical shove into the heart of the pit. Mosh delivers live music real interviews, humour, heart and a whole lot of head banging. I'm delighted to be joined now by aerialist and dancer. She's the writer and director of this, Rachel Nivranon. She's on the line. How are you getting on, Rachel? I'm brilliant, thank you. Yeah, we're just in our first day of teching here in Project Art Centre so it's a great day. Oh, fantastic. Now, this is such a unique idea for a production. As soon as I saw the poster and title of this show, I had to reach out, right? Because moshing is something that both intrigues and terrifies me in equal measure. But I can totally see the appeal uh, to explore this. But I believe it was your boyfriend and a mishap at a Slayer gig that inspired this show. That's it, exactly. Yeah, that's what happened. Um, and it was a few a few months before we had the conversation that that actually happened to him. So he had recovered and was able to look back blissfully at the whole event. Um, and so he was just chatting to me about it. And I just thought it was like one of the dumber things you could do with yourself to put yourself in danger like that, especially being a dancer and like I'm focused on taking care of my body, I suppose. Um, but we had a really good chat about it. And then I went on and started looking into it a little bit more and a little bit more. And next thing I knew, I was applying for funding and making a whole show about it. That is so unique because, like you say, this totally sparked the the, the, the the journey, I suppose, of what this show is. But as you say there, you have this really strange juxtaposition going on because you as a dancer, as you say, you have to really mind your body. Metalheads do not care what happens to them at all in the pit. Was yeah. it this sort of clash that you wanted to explore as well in the piece? I suppose a little bit. I'm just curious in general about people doing risky things. I mean, I don't do so much aerial at the moment, but I used to do it for a while and that's quite a risky thing to do. So I know a little bit about it and that drive, whatever it is internally, to, to go out there and put yourself in danger. Um, and also, you know, why do it in a really unpredictable way? Like, you know, people don't rehearse moshing. They just go out there and do it. <laughs> Although now in our case, we are actually rehearsing moshing, which is quite a strange thing to try and capture a bit of chaos on stage and be able to repeat it every night and to be having to rehearse it. I think it's been very tough on the dancers. They've been amazing the last uh, three weeks we've been rehearsing. So, yeah, it's definitely about exploring all the different sides of why people do this and not trying necessarily to find one single answer or even to decide whether or not people should or shouldn't do it. You know, it's not really a moral judgment on the whole thing. Yeah, because do you know what? I went down an absolute rabbit hole last night exploring moshing on YouTube, right? Because my husband, like your boyfriend, is total metal fan and really into Slayer as well. And he showed yeah. me this really strange video, right, of Islamic men praying through dance and moving in a circle, right? And yeah. then he showed me a video of a mosh pit circle formation, which was so strange. So there's like this kind of ritualistic, almost learned movement that you will find in a pit, which is fascinating. Mm, I think I've seen the exact video you're talking about of the men praying and dancing. It's a beautiful thing to watch. Um, there's something to it. I, I think we're trying to figure out in this show what exactly that is and why people want to move that way or even if they realise that they want to move it that way or if it's subconscious. Uh, it's quite interesting. We're there's more going on to us than we realise. We're not so in control of ourselves all the time. Oh, totally. Because I, I was kind of asking him this, you know, I was, I was like, is it this sort of strange communal, we're part of something, we can't communicate it with words, but we're moving in this chaotic way, but it's kind of this really weird coming together almost? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's even been um, research done into it just through physics and the fact that people flock and move yes. similar to birds. Um and so we're exploring a little bit of that as well through the show and like 
most people who've ever done dance or theatre um, to a certain level will have heard the word flocking and you've been asked to like move as one, you know, the way we see birds doing it. Yes. Um, and so what is weird to realise is that that's actually happening at metal gigs as well, that people are are unconsciously following each other. Yeah, it's it's so strange. And I, I, if, if people want to do this, just check out YouTube because you'll, you'll see what yeah. I'm talking about with regards There's to this. There's loads on there. There's so much. And I did see videos as well of the Wall of Death, which looks absolutely terrifying now. Is that explored in the show? <laughs> A little bit, but with five performers, there's only so much <laughs> we can actually replicate. But yeah, a little bit. I mean, the Wall of Death to me is a next level. For people who don't know, it's when the crowd parts down the middle like the Red Sea yeah. and then they run at each other. like Kind of like two armies, really. In, like, a oh, going battle. into battle. Yeah. Yeah. Totally yeah, like that. And it looks quite, quite terrifying. And uh, some of the people I interviewed referenced it as well. It's being quite scary. <laughs> oh, I'd imagine that is for now the the really seasoned pit go- pit goer, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but there there are rules and etiquette. Like people will be surprised about uh, this in a mosh pit because um, the moshers are are really strict as well about these rules. Like it's not just like let's shove each other around the place for the for the sake of it to an extent. Like there's no actual mm-hmm. violence really allowed as such. No, there shouldn't be. And I think what's interesting is that we don't really know where those rules came from. And I don't know that they've ever really been written down. There is no like singular body, a singular organization of moshing. So um, while people have put it to paper in like articles for music magazines and things like that, there's no official final like say 10 rules on moshing. And yes, people still know how to behave. And I think you can see it in, there can sometimes be like a generational gap when people come in to mosh maybe for the first or second time and they don't realise that actually it's not an excuse to be violent mm. um, and they have to maybe learn that lesson by observing and, and you know, noticing that that's actually not what's going on at all. And I think people will let you know as well if, if you're going too far. Oh, they'll throw you out. That's the, that, yeah. that is it. They don't <laughs> tolerate it, absolutely. And I did ask my husband as well about the dynamic when women are in the pit because, you know, that's an a, a added element to it as well because more often than not, it is, I'm going to say, maybe a male activity um, mm-hmm. predominantly. But, you know, I, I asked him, I said, you know, are you more wary of hurting women? Do you feel uneasy when they're there? But he said, no, like there, it's, it's, it's very much an inclusive thing you're just a little bit more mindful um as well is that something that you kind of discovered in the research for this yeah i mean i think what people tend to notice more is like size of bodies um i think if women have entered then everyone accepts that like that woman knows what risk she's putting herself at just as like if a skinnier smaller guy was to enter with a lot of bigger men in this pit you know that they'd kind of you're doing it at your own risk and you'll leave if you're if you're feeling unsafe. Yeah. Um and I think like most guys, if they're bigger, are conscious of the fact that they're bigger, be that tall or re- some guys are really, really muscly in there and their responsibility is actually to make sure that they don't give an equal push to people who are smaller than them as people who are the same size as them. You know, so everyone kind of has to take responsibility for themselves, which is a nice thing actually. It, it means that everyone's very um aware of one another and yeah. working together. Oh, totally. Yeah. And like friendships are made in mosh pits that people might be <laughs> yeah. find really surprising. in Ireland, you know, like it's a yeah. pretty small place, so you're probably going to meet people over and over again. Oh, totally, totally. So tell me about mosh, because as you say, it's just five performers on stage, but there is yeah. so much going on. So you've got interviews, it's a dance, it's a gig. There's there's a lot going on here, isn't there? There is. I like to work in that kind of way. I like to make shows that are multidisciplinary. Just whatever serves the story, I'll use it. I don't really mind too much if it's maybe not something I did a degree in necessarily because you can always find somebody who can help you make your dream come true. In this case, it's uh, a lot of music, um, dancing and then writing. So I have written a script based on all the interviews I've done. Plus we feature some of the interviews and then I've got a live drummer, a live guitarist on stage and the guitarist is also a sound designer. So loads going on in the layers of the music there. Um, our performers are amazing. They go between acting and dancing and combining the two. Um, and then I have a choreographer, Robin Byrne, who I brought in because I really wanted to make sure the dancing was like to the fullest extent that it could be. Mm. And Robin's choreography style is so beautiful. And then combined with all the other work I was doing, I just knew that if we had a really strong team on every patch of it, that we could really make it happen. Our design is beautiful by Ellen Kirk as well. 
lighting by John Gunning. So I'm absolutely delighted with myself to have such an amazing team. This is my first fully funded show by the Arts Council. So it's really exciting. Oh, that's really exciting. And congratulations to you as well. And the show opens this week. And was it created specifically for Fringe or has it been performed prior to this? Or is this literally the the opening week of it? Yeah, this is the opening week. Um, We were able to rehearse down in Waterford, where I'm from, for two weeks and that was thanks to my dance residency down Garder Lane and also thanks to the Waterford City and County Council um, for their support to be able to bring it because often I have to travel to make work yeah. and in doing that then we could do an open rehearsal in Waterford last week for my friends and family and anyone involved in the interviews and stuff um, so now we bring it up to Dublin and we're opening this week in Project Arts Centre from Wednesday the 13th until Sunday the 17th. Oh, exciting. Very so exciting. To, yeah, yeah. To, to get to perform it for the home crowd as well. Absolutely brilliant. So has doing this changed your mind a bit about the subculture of moshing? Because I think like me, you were maybe more of an observer as opposed to an active mm-hmm. participant in a bit. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm a real thinker. And so I wouldn't be one to just jump into a pit. And now that I've spent... I don't know, three years thinking about it and researching it. I'm well on my way to jumping in. I have been in mosh pits since and uh, I hope to get back in one soon. I just have to mind my body now to get to the end of this run. Oh, totally. <laughs> I can jump on in. But yeah, absolutely. I think like I really understand it so much more and I think it's brilliant, honestly. <laughs> and, and what do you hope that the metalers then and the curious mosh pit observers mm-hmm. like me will take away from the show? Well, I think for people who are on the fence about it or even reject the whole concept of it, that they would be able to open up their minds to it and maybe learn something a bit deeper behind it. I think sometimes uh, with things like this, it can kind of seem a bit like boys are just being silly and they're being a yes. bit laddish. And I hope that they'll appreciate there's a lot more going on under there. And then for people who do it already and are really into metal and stuff, I just hope they kind of see themselves reflected authentically in the piece and that maybe they'll learn a little bit more about themselves as well. Well, I have certainly learned a lot just even in researching for this chat. It's absolutely fascinating and I wish you the very, very best of luck with the run. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so, so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Mosh, the 13th to the 17th of this month in Project Arts Centre, fringefest.com if you want to find out more details of this. But yeah, just, you know, as I was saying to, to Rachel there, you, you like you Google, just even search up moshing, right, on YouTube. If you're like me and you're kind of going, what is this all about? You know, have a little search up and you'll just see so many videos of what just looks like crazy people jumping into each other, head banging, pushing and shoving. But actually... When you look at it a little bit closer, there is a lot going on, as we discussed there, this kind of learned behaviour of people moving in, in in a circle. That's really, I did not know that about moshing. So there you go. You learn something new every day, but really intriguing show on from the 13th to the 17th of this month in a Project Arts Centre, FringeFest.com. The 11 to 1 show. With Gilmore's Mercy. 17,000 year old drawings and video games popping up today in the Northeast Update. LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Senator Windows products will help you create a secure, comfortable, energy efficient home you're proud of. Call 0818 On this day in 1940, four teens followed their dog down a hole near Lascaux in France, discovering 17,000 year old drawings. The paintings were almost of all, all, all of animals. There was one human, flowers uh, and uh, some countryside. So there was kind of a bit of an abstract kind of symbols. But apparently they opened the cave to the public in 1948 and was attracting 1,200 visitors a day. But by 1955, carbon dioxide from the breath of visitors along with heat and humidity took their toll on the paintings and they eventually closed them up again, returning them to darkness in 1963. And today is National Video Game Day. Yes, so we know all about PlayStations, PC, Xbox, the game. Boy, there's a myriad of gaming devices out there, and today is the day to get your game on. LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Creating the perfect home is a journey. Let us guide you. Visit our Drada, Dundalk, and new Navin showrooms. Discover more at senatorwindows.ie. Meryl Streep for the lead actress in Murder She Wrote. That's a good shout from James in Drada. That's a very good shout. I think she would be absolutely iconic uh, in that role. Great one. Maybe look, watch this space. You never know. Anyway, getting back to the music now, here's Tom Baxter. Our love has changed. 
Now, News at 12 is approaching and after that we know him from his writing and performing skills and TV series The Savage Eye, Bridget and Eamon and more and his hilarious stand-up as well has entertained thousands of fans around the country. He is back with his solo show, show and it's going to be coming to the North East comedian John Collieri is going to be joining me after 12. The 11 to 1 show with Gilmore's a highly anticipated TV series is returning to Netflix for the sixth series. All the details right after Sam Smith and 11 to 1. Sam Smith and not the only one and LMFM's 11 to 1. I know I'm not the only one that's really looking forward to this. And now that the nip is back in the air, by the way, and it's kind of officially autumn, um, I think we can enjoy good television. And we won't have too long to wait, I don't think, because the series that started off, um, oh, it's a good couple of years ago now, but it, it kicked off set in 1947 and um, starring Claire Foy as the Queen. It is, of course, the crown that I'm talking about. And I think people have just been hooked to that. And I was a real, real big fan of the early. I loved Claire Foy in it, I must say. I really did love her. So if I had to pick favourite seasons, it'd be kind of one, two, sort of those kind of times. But it's a brilliant, brilliant um, series done so well. And apparently the next season, so the sixth season, is going to really lead up to quite close into the to 21st century. So a new release from Netflix this week reveals uh, that the show will actually end several years after uh, we last finished up. So in fifth season, it sort of was around the Hong Kong handover in July 1997. That's when that was set. And in the time since, we're kind of wondering where is it going to finish up? So apparently a few years after that is where it's going to finish up. So they're saying... After six seasons, seven years and three casts, The Crown comes to an end later this year and uh, they have a an image of Charles and Camilla's wedding. So that took place in 2005 and that's going to kind of, I think, where we're sort of going with this. Uh, as well as that, Kate Middleton and Prince William, the early, the early kind of stages of their relationship will also be shown in this season as well. And... Um, also, with regards to uh, Diana and the death of Diana and handling all of that, they say, so the Crown's executive producer, uh, Suzanne Mackey, says that the show might be big and noisy, but we're not. We're thoughtful people and we're sensitive people. There was a very, very long, careful conversation about how we do it. And I hope, you know, the audience will judge it in the end. But I think it's been really delicately, thoughtfully recreated. And uh, they say that Elizabeth Debecki, who portrayed Princess Diana in the fifth season and is uh, in the role in the sixth season as well, was very thoughtful and considerate, loved Diana. So there was a huge amount of respect from all of us. And that's going to be evident when we see it now. We don't have an exact date, but it is definitely going to be happening towards the end of this year. So not long to wait for fans of The Crown. Now, let's see what else is happening in the world of showbiz. The Buzz on LMFM. Keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app. Hi, I'm Max. Alan Fletcher can't wait for Neighbours to be back on our screens next week. Posting on the official channels this week, Alan, who plays Dr. Carl Kennedy, says how excited he is. I was excited when Scott married Charlene. I was excited when Carl Kennedy married Susan Kennedy three times. I was excited when Libby married Drew. And in seven days' time, I'm going to be very excited when... When someone marries someone else. Seven days till Neighbours returns. Make sure you're watching. Congratulations are in order for Josh Duhamel and his wife, Audra, who are expecting their first child together. Duhamel shares a 10-year-old son, Axel, with his ex-wife, Fergie. Diddy is getting the Global Icon Award at the MTV VMAs tomorrow night. He can't believe that he's getting the accolade. Being honoured with the MTV Global Icon Award is surreal. I'm like, it's a blessing. It's what you work hard for in music is that, you know, maybe one day your life work will be able to be honoured. You know what I'm saying? So it's a dream come true. But I never thought it would happen. You know, looking at Michael Jackson, looking at Madonna, being able to follow in the footsteps of everybody that has been you know, recognized from MTV is like really wow. It's a wow moment for me. That's The Buzz. I'm Max. The Buzz on LMFM. Keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app. 
Bill Withers lean on me on LMFM's 11 to 1. Now he's one of the most in-demand comics in Ireland and spent most of last year on tour supporting Tommy Tiernan's Tomfoolery tour. But he is going to be back in action with his own tour. Yeah, we're going to be chatting to comedian John Coleary next. The 11 to 1 show. He's one of the most in-demand comics in Ireland and spent most of 2022 on tour supporting Tommy Tiernan's Tom Foolery tour, travelling up and down the country, delighting tens of thousands of fans at this stage. Now he's heading off on his own tour, Loud and Colliery, which he's going to be bringing uh, around the country again, this time stopping off in the northeast and Dundalk and Drogheda towards the end of this month. And as well as that, he is going to be doing a set at Ireland's largest comedy festival, Galway Comedy Festival in October. His show has been described as a flawless set, one worth seeing again and again and again. Tommy Tiernan called him his favourite comic, playful, inventive and brilliant. I'm delighted to have him on 11 to 1. John Coleary is on the line. How are you getting on, John? Hiya, how's it going? Good to be be on with you. Great to chat to you. Now, when you hear Tommy Tiernan, right, saying that not only are you his favourite comic, but he also called you playful, brilliant, inventive. And the best part, he also said he learned so much from you. I mean, that is quite high praise, isn't it? Oh, it's massive. I couldn't, I was really kind of blown away by that. And uh, the feeling is mutual with me and with, with with me towards Tommy as well, the same thing. I learned so much and uh, he's the uh, king of playful and inventive for me. So it's a high praise. Really, really amazing. And I'm delighted to... to like, I was actually a bit a bit dumbfounded and speechless when I when I saw that. So Yeah, I, no doubt you would be, absolutely. And I mean, yeah. you, you, after coming off the, the back of the great, but I would say exhausting uh, time touring as well with, with Tommy Tiernan, the Tom Foolery tour sold out everywhere, all over the place. But yeah. is, is it more challenging being the, the warm-up guy, is he? Um, no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say with with Tommy definitely not because the 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 mood was so good. The mood was so good in every room we were in, and the anticipation was so good and positive. And we were always Tommy sold out every venue that he that every gig he put on. So it was a packed room. They're there for a good time. It was especially in the first six months. It was post COVID. People hadn't been out for a while. Uh, so that was extra energy. So uh, normally there is a bit of pressure with it, but not with Tommy, not with the Tommy tour. It was really the best gig in comedy. There was a lot of people that were very jealous of me at the time because <laughs> I had the best gig in, in, in the country. No two ways about it. Yeah. Know? Oh, totally. Totally. It really was. And, and so how did you guys, how did he meet you? How did that relationship kind of develop and, and, and sort of how did the invite then come to, to support him on tour? Well, it was, we'd had worked together on his chat show before. Oh, of we course, worked, yes, um, yes. Yeah, we did, the, we, we, we did a sketch involving three brothers who are from, not too far away from where you are there yeah. now. <laughs> and, uh, oh, I love the way the accent suddenly changed there as well when yeah. you said that. <laughs> yeah, the Gossip, the Gossip brothers, they were sitting around talking. And um, so we did that sketch with Tommy on the show for three, I think two or three seasons of his chat show. Yes. So that would have been 2016, 17, around that time. And I'd known Tommy anyway, just from, just from meeting around on, yeah. uh, you know, in festivals and stuff. And, and, um, and then after COVID, I was sitting around going, I don't know what I'm going to do now because I'd moved back to Sligo from Dublin after 25 years in Dublin. And I was sitting going, what am I going to do about work, about gigs? Why am I going to get gigs? What's going to happen? Am I going to travel for work more than I did before? And I got a shout from uh, from Bren uh, for Tommy at Aiken and uh, asking me to come down and do something in Castlebar, an opener for Tommy for two nights in Castlebar. And I just thought it was those two. I didn't think it was anything else. And um, after the show, we were having a chat and he asked me that I want to do some more. And I was going, absolutely. And then... That that tour hadn't been fully booked at the time. Those it was like patchy yeah. through the year. It was, and then um, before I knew it, I'm on tour. That's amazing. And I was. It was just. It was the most amazing thing. And I mean, if I was to sit down for two years, like I did, I sat down for two years before that and wrote. If I wrote 
how to re-emerge from COVID as a comedian. <laughs> I couldn't have written anything better than that. Yeah, that, that it is It is kind of the dream gig, as you say. And yeah. what, what's interesting as well, what you've just said there, is you returned to Sligo from Dublin after 25 years. So what is yeah. that like? Because you left Sligo at quite a young age, didn't you? At around 18 or so. Well, I did and I didn't. I mean, I did leave initially about mm. 18 and I was in Galway for a while, then I was in London for a while. And I lived back in Sligo from about 20 to about 26, 7 and then I moved to Dublin in when I was about 20, yeah, 26, 27 so I had been living here in my 20s as well but for a couple of years but Dublin was the place where I lived for the longest period uh, of my life so so I came back and um, it was nice coming back in one way in other ways it was it was kind of difficult because it was COVID and yeah. there was nothing happening and I was out and, you know it was a bit frustrating that way and the other thing that I found funny about it was that I saw all these people around Sligo, you know, people, lots of people wandering around, uh, grey-haired lads with, with kids, and and I thought, uh, God, I don't know anybody. But then yeah. after about a month, I went, I went to school with all these people. <laughs> <laughs> How they've changed uh, in front yeah, of your eyes. Yeah. I love it. I yeah. love it. And there is, it's that really, I've I've been in those scenarios before as well, where you're going... I know that person. I don't know how I know yeah. them. And then it's like, yeah, oh yeah. God, yeah, we're all old now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and only when people talk to you, it's like the light goes on. You go, oh God, I know you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> speaking about school, though, take me back. Were you like the messer, the joker, the fella that was always kind of mimicking teachers? Was that you at school? I was after a point. The first year I was the best boy in the class. That was a really oh. good... Yeah, I was very, very attentive and very diligent and all that and kind of didn't step out of line. And then I kind of discovered that that wasn't the best route for uh, my social life. Oh, no. And, uh, <laughs> and I was smaller than the rest of them as well. I was quite, I was a good bit younger than, I started school quite young and I was a bit good bit younger than the guys in the, in the school, in the class. So when it came to second year, I just kind of clicked into more, messing around and more and I could do impersonations anyway and then I just started doing teachers and stuff and other other pupils and got laughs and it it kind of helped me it helped me to navigate that you know oh listen it is it's 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 difficult school is difficult you know you're going to be I was that person that people would take their homework you know what I mean like I they took my homework to copy it and I willingly gave it over (laughs) because I was such a geek do you know what I mean so that was that was me Uh, so I didn't have that comedy like you have John so it was like in order for me to survive I just hand it over just hand over the homework and then they sort of left me alone you know but it is it's so difficult to navigate school life yeah. it really is and that I, I came into my own now in TY do you know what I mean transition yeah. year was just like yeah. I, Sinead emerged the quiet nerd was gone and sort of yeah. I became this sort of uh, personality that, that we have today on the radio but <laughs> I totally understand where you're coming from if you're going to get beaten up behind the shed do you know what I mean if you're not like yeah. giving something to the group I know I know what you're saying. But did you did you ever get caught out by teachers like for mimicking them or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. And but the thing <laughs> about it is no I got caught out for messing, uh, but never caught out for mimicking because nobody thinks that you're impersonating them. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Nobody thinks that they go, Oh no, she's doing something else there, he's just making noise and everyone's laughing because you're doing the teacher and then they they don't cop on to it, which is even funnier, you know. And, uh, <laughs> I was just thinking there. I was just thinking there. You said transition year. I oh, yeah. didn't do that one myself, but I was just thinking that's like I used to do a gag about that because it's an oh, yeah. Irish thing. It was put together um, in Newtown Park Comprehensive. I think it's still Oregon. I think that's where they came up with that oh. years ago. And I think it's a really Irish thing, isn't it? Coming up with a year off <laughs> as as an enhancement to education. Oh, yeah. That's a brilliant, a classic 
Irish idea. <laughs> it really is. It really is. And speaking about that, you that's nice segue for me to talk about Savage Eye because my God, I I just went down memory lane this morning, rejigging my memory. You know, that's my excuse, uh, John. I wasn't skiving off. Yeah, like it was technically yeah. it was research. You know what I mean? So I was looking back over some of the Savage Eye sketches, which of course you performed and wrote uh, so many of these. And the one that just got me so much was uh, the civil servants uh, and filling in the form. Uh, Oh, yeah. That is so Irish. That is so Irish. You captured it so, so well. This sort of, you know, look at the the civil servants who don't help you at all, actually, in fact, you know what I mean? When you're at the the desk. Uh, But how did she get away with some of this stuff? Because, like, this is RTE, like, at the end of the day that this is on. You know what I mean? You have John Duffy there getting really excited about people's misery in the, in the in the studio and you have the the GAA Gambine which you played as well like I mean how did you, like was there a time where they went oh lads this is a little bit too far now yeah because you know, well you want to see what they wouldn't wouldn't allow <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean but not they, they were they were at the time um, it was well timed for us it was a kind of a happy accident that stuff had happened in in in, uh, in the real world uh, especially in terms of the church the church kind of yeah. were kind of got knocked, uh, knocked back a few, uh, at that point, and there was a couple of the reports came out and things were bad for them, so the initial sketches we had were very churchy, so they didn't really, they didn't really mind that, because the church were, the stock was down and their credit mm-hmm. was gone, and so we kind of had stuff that came on the back of that, that once we got away with that, the church, which was a difficult thing to do with RTE. Oh, totally. Uh, in Ireland, you know? I mean, that's why that Father Ted was on Channel 4. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so there the was stuff that was, we got censored. And the church thing is most important because we there was other stuff that happened in the series, which was of a different slagging, you know, a different target. Yeah. But it was harder, more hardcore than the church stuff. But once the church kind of got a bit stronger again a few years later, the censorship came back in oh, for yeah. us. Yeah. And it was about the church, and it was only about the church stuff. It was never about John Duffy yeah. or because RTE and other TV stations would be the same. They like it when their own staff and their own personalities get a ribbon because it it highlights that person. Of well. course, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it totally uh, does. But he didn't like it. I know that. I know <laughs> that John Duffy, the real John Duffy, didn't like it. And he did something. He he said something really funny because we had Chris, who was a uh, a virtually challenged gentleman from from uh, an Irish Anglo Irish lad. He was about three and a half feet tall, and he's a great comic. And he came along and did did did. <laughs> Did John Duffy's sidekick dressed in leather <laughs> yes. on a trumpet? Remember yes, that? I and, uh, <laughs> and Joe, Joe was having a go on somebody. He was Joe was giving out about it oh, on radio. Of course he was. And he said, and he said something like, "And I heard that they flamed the dwarf over some <laughs> <laughs> He said that. Oh and, my uh, gosh! Dave, Dave has that on the back of his DVD as a review. Oh, I love I it. I heard the from Joe, by Joe Duffy. Joe Duffy's review. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's classic. That is absolutely classic. But you know, when you work in such a collaborative way, like on a show like that, and, and of course you worked with Bernard O'Shea as well over the years, is it weird yeah. then going out on your own and is it challenging then kind of writing a full show just yourself? Is that weird? I love what you said there about writing a show. I wonder what that is. But... Uh, <laughs> Um, no, it, 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 the stand-up thing is where it all started anyway. So, yeah. like, basically, we were all out on our own on stage doing stuff. And then the collaborations came out of that. I only met Dave through doing stand-up, stand-up, stand-up and meeting him around and then think, talking ideas. So the stand-up comic thing was always a solo thing. So it's not that weird Sometimes it can be a happy place to go back to because yeah. it's just you, just you, and it's all on you. If it falls flat, it's all on you. If it goes really well, it's your, it's you that did it. So it's not really weird. It's weird to go out 
on a headline tour. Yes. And I've always I've gone out and done loads and loads and loads of shows in different different venues and pubs and clubs and hotels and whatnot, theatres and here and there randomly. But to actually have a tour where it's properly night after night, week after week, and it's a one it's a unit of 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 something. That's a that's a weird feeling, I'll yeah. be honest with you. Adam. And it's nerve wracking right now at this point, thinking about two days' time when I start in Ballyshannon. So yeah, you got that. You got that jittery. You got the jitters going on, which is good. You got to embrace those jitters as well. Do you know what I mean? You have to embrace them a little bit. That's the energy. That's, that's where the energy. the energy comes from. Yeah, 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 yeah. completely. And, you know, as you say, you're embarking on this uh, national tour, Laid and Colliery. Yeah. You're coming to Drogheda and Dundalk. Now, it's very important, John. Which town are you coming to first? Because if it's Dundalk, the people of Drogheda won't be happy that you're going there first, right? Because there's a real begrudgery in Drogheda for people in Dundalk getting stuff. Do you know what I mean? They get stuff. And if you go there first, the begrudgers, they're just, do you know what I mean? It's going to be just carnage really? for them, really. They're going to be dining out in that for a while, you know? <laughs> Well, they'll be glad to know that I'm doing both towns on the same night. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way of solving yeah. it. Is. It but, really uh, is. <laughs> I'm going I'm, I'm to be like, so as to get the dates in there, and you probably have them there. I do, yeah. I do. I'm going it's... to the town. I'm in the town first. I'm in the town on the 28th of September. Yes, yes. Then, then on the town. I'm, I'm on the town, and then I'm in... Uh, draw that on the 29th yes of this and month absolutely look at we won't hold that month. against you that you're going to Dundalk first but what can people <laughs> expect from the show um, well it's going to be a combination of all the bits that I've been doing plus some new bits and it's going to be uh, not heavy heavy with impersonations but I'm going to do a few impersonations the political the head the, the Leos and the Mio Martins and the, the Michael D's and oh, we love that yeah yeah and I'm going to do uh, just my own, you know, observational stuff as well. I like, if, uh, apart from um, the politicians and people I impersonate, I also do just voices and accents. I like to pick up on accents a lot, and I do English and American kind of gag stories, uh, characters, and compare. And I do a lot of comparing between Ireland and the rest of the English-speaking world, because Ireland is an, is technically the English-speaking world, but the Irish have taken the English language, I think, and they've bashed it with a hammer here and they've oh, they, turned they, it with a spanner there. Oh, they have. I, t- speaking of that, yeah. you're talking yeah. about accents as well and bashing the language. Like in Drogheda, we have like mad sayings. Do you know what I mean? Mad things I'm, that people say. Like, you know, people say things like, you know, if you're looking for something, right? Oh, it's a din in yeah. there. It's a din in it. It's a din in there. <laughs> Oh, what's that? What's that? <laughs> so, you kind of have to say it quick as well. You have to kind of go, oh, it's a din. It's a din, like... Oh, a din. A a din. It's in. A, yeah, yeah. It's in there, in other words. It's, oh, in it's a din in there. <laughs> I, 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 just, I heard... I mean, the Dundalk one is fairly, you know, the ten. Oh, it's really good. Yeah. I get, I get that, but the, the draw the thing perplexes me because yeah. it's like undercover. Some of them are undercover in Drada, as in... To come talking to me and my ear tunes into it and my ear sometimes hears Dublin and next thing it is. underneath the Dublin I hear loud underneath it. <laughs> yeah. It's like it starts off as how's it going and then it goes into loud. And it's, that's, it, it's like they're revealing themselves to you in one sentence. Oh, totally. I it's think you heard that. It is. It is a mad accent. It is a mad accent. Yeah. But if you get like, so if you've got Mon the town for Dundalk, all you need for draw it is oh here. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need. I'm gonna. I'm gonna call this show. I just when you when I heard you saying it because the show is loud and clear. Now it's loud, loud and clear. <laughs> That's what it's called now. I love that. I love that. Uh, just for the couple of days that you're in loud, absolutely brilliant. I better mention this as well because you're in Galway Comedy Festival. Yeah. Big, big thing. Every yeah. comedian wants to be in Galway in October. Yeah. That's very exciting. It's good, absolutely brilliant. And some of the names that are playing this year, like it's huge. It's huge. I mean, Jim Jeffries is doing three nights mm. this year. He, he's up in Leisureland. He's absolutely amazing, Jim. And I'm... I'm, I'm hoping to catch one of those shows in Legend. John Bishop is there. Dave Rokane, Dave McSavage, Omar Jalili, 
Reggie Hunter, Phil Andrew Maxwell. Yeah. So many, so many brilliant comedians and a good combination of Irish and international comics. And Sinead, uh, from, Sinead Culbert is there as well, as oh, far yeah. as I know. Oh, fantastic. Uh, oh, God, there'd be loads. There'd be absolutely loads. Yeah. And just for people yeah. for that one, GalwayComedyFestival.ie, right? That's where people will find tickets for yeah. that. John, we're yeah. very much looking forward to you coming to, to Laid uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, best of luck with the tour and thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank Th- you. Thank you so much. Thanks a million. You can find out more, by the way, johncolieri.ie. That's where you'll find tickets and details and everything else of the, for the tour. And it's the 28th of September in Dundalk and the 29th in... Uh, that's the 28th in the Spirit Store and the 29th in Drogheda in the TLT. Oh, the 11 to 1 show. I have music from Dermot Kennedy on the way right after the job search. LMFM Job Search with Local Heroes backed by Bortgosh Energy replace your old inefficient gas boiler with Local Heroes visit localheroes.ie DK Motors requires both qualified mechanics and apprentice mechanics to join their team at Kilberry Cross in Navan County Mead please send your CV to Derek at dkmotors.ie Assistant farm manager required for immediate start on a dairy farm in Kentstown, County Mead. You must have experience in dairy farming. This position includes free accommodation on the farm and competitive salary. To apply, please contact 085 77 Don't forget all the details of those jobs can be found on our local job section on lmfm.ie. LMFM Job Search with Local Heroes backed by Gosh Energy for gas boilers, heat pumps and electric vehicle charge point installation visit localheroes.ie Dermot Kennedy, Kiss Me and LMFM's 11 to 1 on the way I have music from Damien Rice right after these The 11 to 1 show Here for you the Louth Alzheimer's Memory Walk is going to be happening this month. So the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland is uh, the um, the charity obviously attached to this and it's the annual Memory Walk taking place at over 30 locations across Ireland. It's happening Sunday 24th of September including Drogheda as well in County Louth and uh, this event gives families, friends and those living with dementia the opportunity to come together, honour, celebrate and raise funds for the vital support services that the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland provides. So it'll be starting at 2pm from St Dominic's Park in Drogheda on Sunday for a 5km or 10km walk and uh, Anne Short is going to lead the Loud Alzheimer's Memory Walk on that day in Drogheda. And you know, there's something like 64,000 people living with dementia in Ireland which uh, is apparently going to double in the next 25 years to over 150,000 by 2045 they're predicting so you know they really need help and support to continue the great services that they're doing registrations cost 5 euro for kids 18 euro for adults and include a participation pack and memory walk t-shirt as well so the closing date for registrations is 12 noon Wednesday the 20th of September and if you don't if you're not able to walk on the day you're not able to do it you can also donate to alzheimer.ie all closing off our show for today thank you so much to all of the guests and to you for your company enjoy the rest of your day and I'll chat to you again tomorrow listen back to the 11 to 1 show podcast on lmfm.ie or the lmfm app with Gilmore's Mercedes-Benz Kingscourt. Choose from our huge selection of used Mercedes-Benz vehicles. Gilmore's Mercedes-Benz Kingscourt. The best in motoring here for you. Hey!